Hey guys, Kurt here, and I'm here with Logan. Hi. And we're going to be talking about some Battle Bards Premium Audio. So, Logan, I've got you hooked up to a bunch of stuff here. But Dad, what is all this stuff? Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Um, I just wanted to measure, you know, your brain power and see how much that you knew about Battle Bards Audio because you know so much about it. Yes, I do. Okay, so basically what's happening is I have Logan hooked up here to see his brain power and see how much he knows Battle Bards premium audio. So first of all, let's see if you recognize this track. That's easy. That's the Euro Trap Barrage. Perfect. All right. Now, what is that? That's massive creature. Perfect. All right, now they're gonna start getting a little bit harder, but I think you can do it, okay? Okay. All right, what about this one? Lord Ardok is a hooden fortique symbolo, bida octo mon farste outwees, mon kazabu haudon, fu chi tang gali asparos. That's the Highborn Devil Speaks. Oh, so sorry. That's actually the Devil Highborn Converses. Bzz. What the heck, Dad? Oh, sorry, man. I mean, it's just a little current. I mean, it's just to just to kind of motivate you to, to do better. You're so mean, Dad. I don't like you anymore. Oh, dude, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, I'll turn it down a little bit. We'll try. Let's try the next one. All right. This one should be a little easier. That's an easy one. That's the fireball spell. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy, but that's actually the magic missile spell. No, what are you doing? Don't do that! <laughs> oh, what the heck, Dad? You're really naughty. What the heck? Sorry, buddy, but you know... If... So mean! I'm sorry, but if I, if I don't... Yeah, blah, 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 Dad. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, well, let's try one more. All right, buddy, last one. I'm sure you're going to get this, no problem. What is this one? Yeah, what do you want? You lost or something? If it's drink you're after, I reckon there's a prissy ale hall somewhere up the street where the sun don't shine. <laughs> Point is, they ain't nothing for you here, friend. All's here's just some quiet, decent folk what wants a quiet, indecent drink and to be left to their own businesses. This is the tavern owner, Corner Street Tavern. Oh, so close, but that's actually the tavern owner, Chipped Class Tavern. I'm so sorry. Come back, man. I mean, hey, one more try. I mean, we can get it this time. Go to BattleBars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the $10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album 
for free just for using that damn coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. This is the MFG cast, and this is Convention Season 2016. Hey guys, Kurt here. We have an awesome episode. We're going to be talking about convention season, as you could hear in my amazingly bad thought up uh, intro, um, as backed up by Taylor, which is awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we're going to be talking with uh, Taylor from Leviathan Files. We're going to be talking to Taco from SO1KS Gaming. And then hopefully we're going to get on Dan and Kim from the GNU podcast to talk about their convention experiences. Because unfortunately, I would have loved to go to Gen Con this year. Me and my wife were crying uncontrollably at all the awesome pictures from all the cool people that we know that were there. Um, but we're um, we're asking everybody that we know, relatives, friends, and stuff like that to give us money so we can go next time so we can see all these awesome people, including my first guest. You know him as the amazing GM from the Leviathan Files. We've got Taylor LaBrush on. Taylor, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be on here. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so you got to go to Gen Con. I did. This year, and it was your first experience of Gen Con. It was, and oh my goodness, like, it, it really was that I got to go. Like, <laughs> I was allowed to to let the, the blessing of Gen Con into my life. <laughs> so I don't know if you if you know the story, but I went to Gen Con on accident. Um, <laughs> I was not planning on going to Gen Con. Nice. Um, and it happened, and it was incredible, and it has changed my life forever. Uh, so I have I I want to start out by giving out the thank yous that are necessary because I would not have had this experience if it weren't for two amazing brothers. And not to like take the reins here, but I am going to tell you the story of how um, how Mams Gaming brought the miracle of Gen Con into my life. Nice, please do. So, you know Megan and Acer from the Redacted Files, correct? Yes. I have been interacting with them on Twitter, just like hanging out, talking to people, talking to their fans. Um, one of the people on their show is Mike. Uh, and Mike and his brother Matt run a company called Mams Gaming. And what Mams Gaming does is that they interact and interface with different gaming conventions to provide uh, content, to provide GMs to run games, to provide basically just stuff for the people who go to these cons to do. And so Mike... 
and and Matt and every you know everyone at Mams Gaming, they were ramping up for preparing to go to Gen Con. One of the people that they were preparing to take, her name is also Taylor, and so they were sending out an email to their email list for GMs saying. We got approved for our GM badges. Uh, that means that all of our tickets are going to be comped. If you've already purchased a ticket, please let us know. We'll get you a refund. And instead of including the tailor that they meant to on that email, they included me. So I got an email in my inbox randomly one day that said, if you've already purchased a, a ticket for Gen Con, let us know and we will refund it. Uh, and so I emailed back and said... I have not purchased a ticket for Gen Con. However, if you have free tickets, please. <laughs> and Megan and Acer vouched for me, and Mike took a chance. He was like, I've never met you in my entire life. Uh, Megan and Acer say that you're good. I like what you do. Let's get you going. Uh, so he got me signed up for a GM badge for Gen Con. I didn't, you know, I got that comped. That was the make it or break it for me because, you know, I'm... I'm in the same boat as you as I don't have I don't have the funds in my wallet to pay for a con. And I crashed on a friend's floor uh and I had a friend pay for gas because I could drive down. So I I it worked out and miraculously I was able to go to Gen Con and I had an absolute blast and it was incredibly rewarding to work with the Mams Gaming Group. So if you know, if you have any listeners out there, Kurt, I want to I wanna say, you know, if you're in charge of a con, if you do any sort of organization for a con, please contact MAMS Gaming. They are an incredible group of people. They are warm, inviting, supportive, encouraging. They are amazing event organizers. And I, I want to thank them from the bottom of my heart because I would not have been able to go to Gen Con without them. Nice. That's awesome. Um, we actually follow Mams Gaming, and that's that's an awesome experience. I love I love that idea, and uh, we'll put that in the show notes just to let people know. That's mm -hmm. great. Okay, so um, I have plenty of questions. So I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head. So um, number one is because this is your first experience, and 2015 was our first experience, mine and my wife's first experience at Gen Con. A lot of people talk about the vastness of it because it's just there's just it's ever growing it seems like they every year they seem to blow it out more and more of so many people is it something where you first come into it and you're like oh my gosh this wow this is amazing and then when you get into it does social anxiety start kicking in and you're like oh my god this is just so many people or do you just just think wow this is just a great experience that just these many people in the gaming community come on this you know you know, four days and just have a ton of fun? Uh, kind of all of the above. So my first experience with Gen Con was walking into the convention center on Wednesday morning to go get our tickets. And we were in there at 9.30 a.m. on Wednesday because we drove down on Tuesday. We crashed in like a, a shitty hotel 30 miles away from Indy. Um, <laughs> and I walked into the convention center on Wednesday and there weren't a lot of people there. Um, because the line didn't start opening until noon. So we walked in at 9.30 and it was basically just like con staff and then like the early birds on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And it was still just overwhelming. I had to stop and just take everything in. Mm -hmm. um, sorry. sorry. And just the the size of the convention center was so much bigger than I had ever expected something to be. Mm -hmm. Um and it wasn't packed, it wasn't wall-to-wall -wall people either, but it was still just like, wow, this is a thing that is going to happen to me 
I better prepare for it right now. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I kind of think of it as a blessing and a curse. I scheduled all my games without really knowing what the schedule for Gen Con was going to be like. Um, so I was running games from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m., um, which lucks out that that's the busiest time at the dealer hall. So I never really had to deal with the, like, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder crush of people. Um, apparently the first, like, the, the tidal wave into the dealer hall is incredible to see and incredible to be in. Um, so that's something that I might be looking forward to next year. It was incredibly busy on Saturday and also on Sunday. Saturday because that's when all the locals go. So you have everyone who has been there for the entire con and then like doubled that because everyone who was like, okay, I don't go on Thursday or Friday, but I can go for the weekend. So just like having that on Saturday was really incredible. And then Sunday's the last day of the convention. So that was also a big press. Um, Sunday had one of the most surreal moments for me um, at 4 p.m. when the dealer's hall closes on Sunday. Everyone leaves. It's like it goes from seventy thousand people at three thirty to like one thousand at at four thirty, and that you know they talk about con crud and con crash, and that's when it hit me. It was like it's done. That was my Gen Con. It was incredible, but it's done. Just having everyone storm out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. You know, to think about that that way. You know how. In some ways, it's a get-together of people that are, you know, there to, you know, experience gaming and stuff like that. But once things aren't able for purchase or, you know, for people to really wheel and deal, you know, how many people ju will just, you know, kind of take their leave of it. And I think, you know, a, a big part of it is that the dealer's hall is closed and, you know, that's, that's where the majority of people are at any given point in time. But um, they also stop scheduling events at 4 p.m. on Sunday. So there's, you know, unless you're doing pickup games, there's nothing on the, the con schedule after 4 p.m. on Sunday. So when did you run games during Gen Con? Uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So that was the... Uh, the stipulation for getting my GM badge is that you have to run 72 hours at least of player time. Um, so I had uh, three games with six people over four hours, uh, and that's, that's how I got my ticket. What games did you run? Yeah, the, the first game that I played on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. was probably one of the best games that I've ever played in my entire life, and I've been gaming for 16 years. I, I was really nervous. It was my first Gen Con, and I'm like, okay... I've run games at conventions before. This is the convention to run games at, though. And I get to my table, and um, I see that there are three people who are already there. Uh, there's a, a father and his daughter and her friend um, were there waiting. And the, the kids were between, probably, if I had to say, like, 9 and 12, um, which is about the, the same time that I started gaming. Um, I had never run games for kids before, so that made me even more nervous. However, as soon as we as soon as we started playing, it was like every single word that anyone at the table said, the kids latched onto it, and they were they were loud and energetic, but they weren't like you know that overwhelming loudness. So like they didn't disrupt anyone else's play experience. They were incredible to run games for, and like. I would be blessed if I had just one of them at, at a table, but having both of them there, it was incredible. Like, their eyes were wide open the entire time. They were engaged and, 
you know, involved in what was happening for the entire four hours. It was amazing. And that energy was contagious. So it was seven people at a table having an incredible time on the first morning of the convention. And I could not have thought of a better way to do it. The other two games that I played were definitely very fun. But for me as a GM, knowing that, you know, this is... This is why I'm here. I want to make sure that the people at my table are having a good time. The other two games definitely felt like they were a little bit more work, making sure that, you know, all six people at the table were having the the best time that they could because the games that I were running cost $4 to get in. So if you're a player trying to sign up for events, you paid real people money to sit down at the table. And having that knowledge, definitely, like, having the knowledge that that the people who were all there had paid for their experience and knowing that 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 paid experience was the reason that I got to go to Gen Con, it it made it so that my focus was less on, you know, making the game that I want to play rather than making the game that everyone at the table is going to have a smile on their face for. So that was definitely a little bit more of uh, uh, an experience. It was, like I said, those games were still amazing, but they, I was tired after them. So... Uh, you know, having Friday and Saturday, those games done, it, it definitely felt good that I didn't have anything after that. Um, so I just got to, you know, walk around, decompress, take a couple moments before my next events. Were you nervous to run all the games for your first Gen Con or were you on top of your game? Um, I definitely think it's more of the, the latter. So I was on top of my game and I think that I did some of the best GMing that I've ever done. It, it definitely took it out of me though. So, like, the last game that I ran was on Saturday morning, and there were, you know, people have already been at the con for two days, and so things are starting, to, you can tell that people are tired. Like, there was this guy at the table who I had to, like, fight to keep his eyes open. <laughs> but um, he came with some friends, and after the game was done, they asked me where to get the game that I ran. So I was running Numenera all three games. So at the end of the at the end of that, having them go, okay, what booth is Money Cook Games at? How much are they selling this for? Let's go. That was really really rewarding. So this being your first Gen Con running games, are you doing anything differently next year? I don't think that I would do it differently. I I'm really grateful for the opportunity that Mams Gaming gave me to run those games. And like I said, I think that that's. The, the games that I ran were some of the best GMing that I've ever done. Um, I'm really, really proud of that. And yes, it's tiring. Yes, it was exhausting. But it was a way for me to... to In the same way that like making podcasts and writing my games, it was a way for me to say, this is something that I am doing that is putting labor and work and effort into this thing that I love. And seeing people's responses positively to that is worth, you know any any amount of effort or exertion that I could put into it. So with all the GMing, you were able to get in the dealer's hall to get some fun RBGs and meet some cool people, right? So uh, after I ran my game on Friday, I was like, okay, it can't hurt to go into the dealer's hall on Friday. Or no, on Thursday. It's just see what's out there. Like, I'm not going to buy anything until Sunday. <laughs> that was a mistake to think that. So yeah, I mean, I hate to just like keep telling all these long stories, but... Um, so there's a, 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 a game that's out there um, that I really respect the writer for. It's Dungeon World, and it's written by Adam Koble. Adam Koble is a super, super awesome queer poly dude who writes a lot about, um, about games and, and queerness, and he's very vocal about um, making that a visible part of the gaming experience. Um, which, if you know me, 
that is something that is right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> so I have been following him. Um, I have had the Dungeon World book on my shelf for like a year and a half. Um, I just finally actually sat down and actually played the fucking thing. So I, I finally got to play Dungeon World uh, a couple months ago. I played uh, Encoded Design's Dangerous Space Trail, which is written by Phil Vecchione, uh, which I met Phil Vecchione and I got to shake his hand. <laughs> that was a surreal experience. Um, being like, hey, I really like your game. It's good. Anyway, back to Adam Coble. So he wrote Dungeon World and he, he has very pink hair. <laughs> I promise that will be relevant. So I found out about Dungeon World through uh, a podcast called Friends at the Table. They have a couple different seasons where they try out different games. They do like 20 episodes of one game. Their first season was with Dungeon World, so that's how I found out about that game. And then by extension found out about the writer, Adam. And so I'm walking through the dealer's hall... And I pass the Burning Wheel booth, and I'm like looking at the games, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, Burning Wheel does, uh, does Dungeon World. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a flash of pink, and I hear a familiar voice. And I look up, and not only is Adam Koble working the booth, but he's talking to Art, uh, who plays Hadrian in the Dungeon World Friends at the Table. And so I bought a second copy of Dungeon World, and I had them both sign it, and it's incredible. They were, they were both amazing people to meet. And that was Thursday afternoon, and so I was like, fuck it. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm spending money now. I, I did have sort of like an artificial damn mechanism um, to keep me from just dumping my entire life savings into games, which was that... Um, my bank froze my credit card, uh, thinking that it had been stolen, because I am from Minnesota, and I was all of a sudden using my credit card in Indianapolis. And so that, that blocked off pretty much all of Friday and a good chunk of Saturday from me being able to spend money. I'm really lucky that I was traveling with some great people who covered dinner a couple times. Our hotel had, had continental breakfast that I stole bananas and bagels from to have lunch. Um, <laughs> so that was... Uh, I, I was fed throughout the trip, but I, I was prevented from spending too much money. So when you're in the dealer hall and you see these people whose stuff that you love, are you okay with going up to talk to them, or you just leave them alone? When I'm at the dealer hall, because I know that Gen Con is an overwhelming experience for me as just someone who's going Joe Schmo to like be at Gen Con, I can imagine that working at a booth where there are 70,000 people there and having people come up to you every single moment while you're on that shift can be super overwhelming. So it wasn't like something where I was like, okay, I know Monty Cook is at his booth now, uh, and you know F. Wesley Snyder is working the Paizo booth. Um, I'm gonna go and seek them out specifically to talk to them. Not that there's like that that's a bad thing, but like I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go. I'm going to check out the booths that I want to check out. If I see people and I can work up the courage to talk to them, I will. I will say that I was walking by the Pelgrane booth and scanning their books. And I looked up and Robin D. Laws was just there. And we made eye contact and I like ran away because I was unable to get words to come out of my mouth. And like, I know Robin's like a, a super cool dude. Like, I'm sure he's totally chill and would have been fine saying like, Hey, I'm glad that you like the games that I write. Yeah. Um... And for me, definitely having something, um, because I read, uh, I read the articles that go up on, that Monty Cook games people write, 
And I want to say it was Darcy Ross. I'm just going to double check. It might not have been Darcy Ross. I know that she does love Numenera a lot. It was not Darcy Ross. It was Shauna Germain. <laughs> so the, the feature is, the article is called, Will You Sign My Baby? Uh, and other great ways to interact with creators at conventions. And so that was, it's, it's just like an article and a guide to say like, hey, here are some great ways to like talk to the people who you admire because we're people too. There's 70,000 people at Gen Con. Here are some great ways so that we can both have a great time. Um, and so it's things like, you know, bring one thing to sign, not everything. Like respect boundaries and all that. Yeah, it's that was a cool thing. I had read that beforehand and just like always thinking of that in my in my mind. And I was like, is this a situation where the person who I would be talking to is comfortable. If not, I am definitely cool just passing them in the hallway and going, I just passed Monty Cook and Bruce Cordell while I was walking to a panel. That's super cool. On the other side, though, like, if you know, if you know someone who is doing something and, like, you've been interacting with them for a while on Twitter, it's definitely something super cool to be, like, to walk up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so on Twitter I want to introduce myself and say, hey, it's fine. It's great to, like, finally meet you face-to-face. -face. Like, I had an amazing moment on, I think it was, like, Saturday afternoon, where I was looking for something to do. It might have been Sunday. I was looking for something to do, and I saw a panel on, on sex and sexuality in tabletop gaming, and it was run by three amazing women. It was run by uh, Catherine Cross, who writes for Gamasutra. Uh, she's an um, incredible uh, games academician. Uh, it was run by Alex Roberts from the One Shot Network. She does backstory, and she talks a lot about queerness and LARP. And it was also run by Emily Kerboss, who is a titan in romance and gaming. And... I have interacted a little bit with Alex on Twitter, um, just talking about cute little quirky games, um, and with Emily Kerboss doing the same. And going up after the panel and introducing myself to Emily Kerboss and being like, hey, I'm Taylor, I just want to say it's, it's, great, it's great to meet you. Uh, and then just having her go, yeah, yeah, it's nice to meet you too. And then when I say I'm Leviathan Files on Twitter, and seeing her eyes like actually recognize me, and going, wow. That is super, super cool. I am so glad that we're finally meeting face to face. How's your con going? This, that, and the other thing. Like having that moment to talk to the people that you, you know, respect and admire when you have that link of familiarity is something that is like super, super refreshing. Um, whereas maybe, maybe just like walking up to someone who you've, you know, you've never talked to and saying like, hey, I love your work uh, can be a little like intimidating and draining. So, yeah. And I, you know, Say what you want about Twitter, I would not have had the experience that I had at Gen Con without it. Uh, another shout out that I want to make is to Rich Howard. He is at Umbral Walker on Twitter. I went to the One Shot annual panel. That was super cool. Rich and I have been talking on Twitter for a while after I heard him on Dungeon Master's Block talking about aquatic gaming, which is like my entire jam. And I, I went to the meetup after the panel and Rich was there and he saw me from like literally across the bar and yelled out my name and ran over and gave me a hug and spent the entire rest of the night introducing me to, to awesome, awesome people. And that was because we had met on Twitter. We became friends on Twitter. We talked like we use these social networking tools to make the connections that we can't because this this community is so thinly spread across the nation. It's like, you're not going to have these, you know, really incredible connections with people 
because you might not have someone next door that you can, you know, reach that way. But Rich is in San Diego. I'm in Minnesota. We met in Indianapolis. And, you know, the the actual best time that I had at the convention was that night because everyone was so excited to be there. And Rich, like, spent his whole night making sure that, like, everyone was having the best time that they could. And you can tell that he was having a blast, too. The guy who wrote Blue Planet, Jeff Barber, was there. And, like, Rich was, like, geeking out with him. And, like, you could just see that this was, like, a an amazing moment. But, like, at, also at the same time, Rich knew that I loved aquatic games, too. And so he was like, Jeff, this is my friend Taylor. He's great. Let's talk about games. <laughs> Say what you want about Twitter, good or bad. I feel that this podcast wouldn't be where it is today without Twitter and all the great people such as yourself. So this being your first Gen Con, what advice can you give future con goers? Yeah, I mean, I think some big lessons that I learned don't have an entire day scheduled for stuff. <laughs> that was my Friday, and it was... It was uh, an amazing day, but I was destroyed after it. On the other hand, don't have just blocks where you're sitting. The There's always something happening at Gen Con. And whether that's you signing up for those events in advance, like I combed through the event finder and like made a bunch of things that I thought were going to be interesting to me, put those on my wish list. And then, like I said, on Saturday, I was like, okay, there's four hours that I don't have anything going. I don't have the energy to walk around the dealer's hall. My backpack is heavy. I want to sit down and just like learn about something. Uh, you can scroll through all the seminars that are there. There's always people talking about some incredible, incredible something. And you can find, you can go sit down, bring a notebook uh, if you're the kind of person who takes notes, which I am. Another shout out, I want to shout out, not that he was at the convention, but um, there's a, a guy who makes incredible hand-bound books. Uh, his name is Dave Rollins. And he's on Twitter, I think, at Dave Rollins Art. And if you can get one of his books, they are... They are, like, actual works of art. He has an MFA in bookbinding, so he has, like, a master's in, like, making these things. And I got one of his notebooks from GeeklyCon in June, and I've been using it as my con notebook. So anytime that I need to take notes at a seminar, I put those in there because that's, it's a super, super special book um, for me. So, so that's, that's my big lesson. Um, always make sure that you're going with someone. Make sure that you're not going alone. I, I have a couple regrets from Gen Con and a couple moments that weren't super great for me. The one, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I was uh, threatened with violence outside the convention. I was standing at uh, a streetlight after, um, after the party where I was leaving um, that Rich was at. And I was waiting for the light to change. I was the only person there. A group of, like, drunken frat bro type dudes um, walked by and threw some pretty, you know, harsh homophobic language. And one of them said that he was going to break me in half. And I, like, looking back on it, it was like that super, like, a ridiculous, like, moment. And they just, like, kept walking. I don't think that I was in, like, any actual danger. But it was terrifying. And... I, I had gone to Gen Con, um, I had drove down with a friend of mine, uh, his name's Adam, he's from the Side Project podcast. He's almost as tall as I am, and he is a big dude. Like, he can look scary when he wants to look scary. And so I texted him about that after, after the fact, I was like crying, I was really, really scared. And it was a city that I didn't know where I was. Um, he met up with me, made sure that I was fine. 
and I'm really glad that I had gone down with someone that I had that I knew because having that after that like really terrible moment was something that saved saved the convention for me. So definitely make sure that you go down with someone you you know practice the buddy system. Always be with someone because you know these public events we're here to have a great time, but huge amount of people means that there's going to be something that goes wrong. And if you have someone with you, it is going to make it a lot easier to bounce back from that. Don't want to end on that note. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will tell um, one more incredible, amazing story of just the kindness and just amazing positive energy at Gen Con. So I was walking the floor and it was right after the uh, IGDN, the Indie Games Developer Network Awards. And there's a, a gorgeous, beautiful game called Fall of Magic, which you you play by literally unfurling a handcrafted scroll. Like, this dude makes 30 of these at a time, period, and sends those out to distributors. Um, and it won the award for best art. Be- Well-deserved, it won the, the award for best art. Because even just, like, the box, the play materials are like, a gorgeous piece of art. Um, and they they had tweeted, the IGDN booth had tweeted, saying, like, we have a couple copies of Fall of Magic at the con. Come to this booth or this booth. Um, the first booth that I went to was totally and 100% sold out. And they were like, you might be able to find it over here. So I went to the second booth, the IGDN booth. They were incredible people there. I asked about Fall of Magic. Everyone was heartbroken that they couldn't sell it to me. <laughs> they were like, yes, this game is incredible. It's a, it's magical. The only copy that we have is this demo copy. Would you want to buy a demo copy? And I was like, hell yeah, I, I don't care. I, will, <laughs> like, I went to check out with the demo copy, and that's when I found out that my bank had frozen my card. So I had to be like, oh my god, let me call my bank. Let me see what I can do. When I When I came back after it had been resolved... They told me that they had talked to the creator, and apparently that demo copy was damaged. It was missing some vital, you know, stuff for it. And they're like, you know, he says that it's a demo copy for, like, display, but he doesn't want to sell it. And I was like, that's fine. I understand. That's a bummer. So I just, like, went on with my con. On Sunday at, like, 3.30, I'm taking my friend Tony through the dealer's hall. And he he had told me, like, hey, I love card games and I love board games. I'm not super familiar with the role-playing game side. Can you, like, give me some pointers? Like, show me some cool shit at Gen Con. And I was like, hell yes. We're going right now to the IGDN booth. He bought, like, half the booth. Um... (laughs) Uh, it was incredible. You could t- he was like a kid in a candy store, like looking at all these games. He got Apillion, he got Velvet Glove, he got uh, Call of Cthulhu. Just like incredible, beautiful games. And the people working the booth recognized me out of like the thousands and thousands of people that they had done at the con. And they said, look, our Games on Demand demo copies just came down. I know that you couldn't buy the demo copy that we had earlier. Do you want to buy one of these? And so because they recognized me after, like, two days of, like, thousands of people and said, like, this guy, we know, we know who this guy is and this is something that we can do, like, that's an amazing thing. And, like, saying, I'm so glad that you came back to the booth. Um, I'm glad that you're having a great convention. I'm glad that we can, like, make this even better. And, like, leaving with Fall of Magic, knowing that it was, like, someone's like personal thought to make it so that I could that I could have that opportunity is like this the entire spirit of Gen Con. Also, make sure to get lots of rest. 
period. Snacks, water, comfortable shoes, <laughs> any medicine that you need, uh, ibuprofen. Well, thanks, Taylor, for coming on and giving us your insight on your first of many Gen Cons. It's always awesome to have you on, man. Yeah, I, I say it every single time that I'm on this goddamn show, but every single time that I'm on this goddamn show, it's amazing. So thank you so much for letting me be on here. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends, one die at a time.